Hello, Dr. Ricky Aronson, and welcome to another episode of Happy Healthy Ever After, a seriously humorous guide to heterosexual love, gender differences, and sex. Let's talk about sex. Sex rules the world. People love to talk about it, read about it, and watch movies about it. Some people even like doing it. Nothing sells and captivates quite like sex. Yet, what can be our greatest desire and pleasure can also be a source of division and misery in marriages and relationships. In fact, it's one of the three biggest reasons why couples break up. Today, I'll be talking about the value and importance of sexuality and intimacy, the science of libido, how to revive a flagging sex life, aging and how this can impact on male and female sexuality, a few funny stories about unsafe sex, and what are the most important factors that will lead to a better sex life. So sex is something which is a human need for most people. People have a libido. And there are tremendous benefits from a healthy sex life, ranging from closeness of the relationship, intimacy, sharing love and pleasure, bringing people closer together. So it's not just about sex. It's actually about intimacy and sharing love. And there's even evidence that a better sex life leads to a longer, healthier life. So let's start somewhere really easy. Libido, sex drive, that's where it all starts from. Frequency of sex is often a source of conflict for couples. So having reasonable expectations about what to expect in a relationship is very important. So we live in a world that encourages people in the belief that women and men are identical. But when it comes to libidos, this is simply not the case. In most cases, not all, men have far higher sex drives than their spouses a natural consequence of high testosterone levels. And this can be a cause of significant friction. Of course, there are women who are more highly sexed than their husbands. But in many cases, if a husband has a lower libido than his wife, everyone assumes there must be a medical problem and he gets referred to an endocrinologist like me to assess his testosterone levels. But regardless of whether it's the male or the female or whichever partner has a greater sex drive, any couple must learn to manage mismatched needs and expectations in a positive manner. Humanity depends on sexuality for survival. There's no question that the male libido has been a cause of enormous suffering for humankind because men have raped and killed answering to this powerful urge. On the other hand, positive sexuality has also led to many of the greatest inventions, works of art, music, and literature, and it should be a positive glue that bonds a couple rather than something negative. So in most cases, a happy active sex life is an essential ingredient for a successful relationship with numerous physical, psychological, and emotional benefits for both partners. The sexual act itself generates happy hormones, which makes us more content and relaxed. Sharing enjoyment and pleasure enhances togetherness. And this is the cheapest way that two people can have fun together. It doesn't cost anything. It's even cheaper than a Netflix subscription. But couples benefit from sharing enjoyment and positivity together because they associate positive memories 
and thoughts about each other related to positive sexuality. And there are numerous studies that show that people who have more frequent sex live longer. Wives, this means that your husband, in offering you regular sex, is really doing it out of an altruistic desire to ensure you live a longer, healthier life. Perhaps wives who find their husband's libidos a bit tiresome are declining sex to achieve the opposite. They don't want their husbands to live longer, so they decline sex. Either way, it's unhealthy for either partner to regard sex as a favor or a chore. Most humans have a libido, and anyone can become frustrated if their needs are not met. But it can also be irritating to be begged for sex all the time. And I've made the point that I wonder whether women really do nag men more than the other way around, because so many husbands beg their wives for sex all the time. In fact, this is a typical marriage complaint that men have a one-track mind and wives ask, can't they think about anything else? From my point of view, you have to admire wives and women because they are so tolerant of their husband's antics. It requires a healthy dose of humor to survive the indignity of being hunted constantly by a six-inch object. But a sexual relationship has to be a team affair. It's not humanly possible for everyone to get what they want all the time. And an ideal partnership is one in which both participants seek to fulfill the needs of the other in all aspects of the relationship, including sex. If one person is unhappy, the relationship will suffer. It doesn't matter who is at fault. Sexual frustration is not silly or meaningless. It requires attention and discussion. But expectations do sometimes need to be tempered by reality. By definition, compromise should go both ways. It's not just about satisfying your partner's sexual needs. It's also about them being sensitive to the fact that you might not always be in the mood for sex. And that's also okay. It's not about people harassing each other and making each other miserable. It's about people coming together, so to speak, and making each other happy. If both partners are fully committed to taking care of each other, they will be concerned about satisfying the other's sexual needs while also being sensitive to boundaries. For example, don't expect marital relations at a time when your partner is exhausted and not in the mood, because constant pressure and insensitivity will create a negative emotion around sex, which is detrimental to both partners. On the other hand, if someone's had a hard week and comes to bed having been looking forward to sex the whole week, it's really quite disappointing to them when their partner goes, nah, not in the mood. So saying no all the time to your partner will lead to frustration and disappointment and put a general damper on a sexual relationships. For wives, instead of enduring a sulky husband giving you a pain in the neck for days afterwards, maybe suggest that he gives you a back rub. Then even if you're not so much in the mood for sex, both of you benefit with pleasure and he will remain interested in your marital sex life. Desire and enthusiasm cannot survive repeated rejection. For some couples in a long-term relationship, if sex becomes boring, libidos might diminish. So one of the best treatments for low libido and lack of enjoyment is simply re-engagement. It's like practicing anything. If you don't feel like having sex, reinvigorate your desire by getting back in practice. If you put in some effort and start to give, it is likely that you will find fulfillment through the experience and maybe even enjoy yourself. And there's certainly profound pleasure in giving someone you love pleasure as well. And that's a big part of sex and intimacy. So to avoid getting out of the habit, it's a good idea to put aside specific days and times for sexual relations. 
Having a routine to rely on ensures that you keep investing because if you don't ever have sex, you certainly won't have good sex. You need to have protected time dedicated to sexuality. It doesn't matter if you've got young kids and babies, your relationship is important and intimacy is in integral to that. The problem though, of course, is if you do the same thing the same way repeatedly, it can become tired and dull. So there's something called sensory fatigue. You need to keep things fresh, keep changing things up. Sometimes change the scenery, change the position, change what you do. Even so, as the saying goes, sex is like pizza. Even when it's not that great, it's still quite nice. There is great value in expressing gratitude and appreciation for positive sexual experiences, especially if one partner is giving more than they receive. Since men have hard, lumpy bodies that should not be seen by the light of day, all of them should be eternally grateful that any woman would agree to have sex with them ever. It's useful to enhance re-engagement through some creativity. Alter your setting and mood, location, music, candles, flowers, tenderness, shared pleasure. So people are far too focused on the sexual act itself. But really, what's not to be loved about lying together, giving each other pleasure, touching each other, sharing love? And that should be a big part of sexuality. Avoid background distractions, especially children marching into the room all the time. Put a lock on the door and tell your children, when mommy and daddy's door is closed, you do not knock, you do not come in unless there's an emergency. Take more time with foreplay, massaging, sharing mutual love and pleasure. Another important aspect of sexuality is to take some of the focus off orgasm because sex and love is also about closeness and spiritual upliftment from giving pleasure to someone you love. Togetherness has many benefits. As a positive side effect, your relationship may benefit from the addition of relaxed closeness, including time away from kids, from babies, from phones and work distractions. Turn them all off and make sure you focus on each other. So even if the actual coitus act isn't the best, intimacy is a special gift that humans can enjoy. It's not just about the sex itself, but it's about indulging in the warmth of human touch and tenderness and shared love. Libido can be an issue for aging men as well. The better husbands compensate by learning the art of conversation. The best learn the art of silence. Men of any age may suffer from equipment failure from time to time, although that's obviously never happened to me. Studies suggest that this can affect up to 30% of men on occasion. Some strange things can occur in the bedroom. Don't take yourself too seriously. These events can become part of a fun legacy to laugh about when the kids aren't around. There's nothing more uncomfortable than parents talking about sex and sexuality in front of their children. In terms of women's libido, this remains the holy grail in medicine. Can we find a treatment that stimulates female desire for sex? Let me bet that there are more men in labs around the world working on this than women. But anyhow... From an evolutionary point of view, women become less fertile with age, so perhaps this discourages sexual desire genetically. Prior to modern medicine, the risks of maternal death from birth complications and the risk of fetal abnormalities were significant for women over 35. So these factors may have been the trigger to undergo a conscious and evolutionary discouragement to higher libidos in this age group. 
Either way, there are studies that show that around 35 to 50% of women over the age of 35 complain about low libido. So this is a significant problem in relationships, and it is named as the number one female sexual dysfunction, low libido. It's difficult to define what is normal for women because much of history has been written with a significant male bias. So it's often difficult to discern what women in bygone eras thought about sex and sexuality. And we don't really know what is a normal libido. What's what's a normal sexual desire? It's very individual and peculiar to each relationship. But as with all other problems, if one partner is unhappy with their sex life, if things are not working sexually, that's going to infect both partners and the relationship. So it does require communication and attention. Men suffering from low libido do need a medical assessment, and it can relate to obesity, stress, low testosterone, relationship issues, any number of things. Um, And commonly, it is a relationship issue. But with women, it's a bit more difficult because having a range of emotions and possessing higher intellectual faculties, women are, as always, more complex. So testosterone supplementation trials in women have not been consistently successful. There's also the problem that giving women high doses of testosterone can lead to them growing beards and become grouchy like men. They may now want sex, but their husbands don't. On a lighter note, let's talk a bit about unsafe sex. So indulging sexual fantasies can be stimulating, but be careful because mistakes can be embarrassing. I once admitted a serious-looking 60-year-old businessman who presented to the hospital with his equally serious-looking middle-aged wife in tow because she had mislaid her vibrator up his ass. Ah, the stuff couples do when left to their own devices. Now, some enjoy a communion with nature, but best to avoid this in the African savanna, especially if you believe in safe sex. I recently read in the paper about a boyfriend in Zimbabwe who was enjoying an intimate moment in the bush with his girlfriend. The moment was ruined when she was eaten by a lion while in the throes of passion. Now, most men don't like being interrupted at the best of times while they are getting busy, but especially not by another male devouring their partner. I also read about a couple in Colombia who decided to have a naked romp together on the roof of a skyscraper. Many of us have suffered a bit of a tumble by rolling the wrong way during relations. But when this couple rolled the wrong way, they rolled right off the top of the building and plummeted to their unfortunate deaths. Talk about dying while doing what you love. Now let's talk about a really important question. Does size matter? Often when patients talk to me about sex, the question I get asked by men is, does penis size matter for sexual pleasure? Well, size does matter, but the place where size really matters is in your head. No, not that head, the other one. You can give yourself and your partner greater satisfaction by working on your attitude and relationship. The movie The Matrix was right. Nothing is real. Pleasure and pain are artificial constructs of the brain in response to messages from nerves. Your central nervous system creates an experience that encourages you to keep doing something enjoyable or to desist. Your brain experience is influenced profoundly by mood, attitude, and stress. 
For example, if you feel anxious, you may experience less pleasure from eating your favorite meal. You may lose your appetite altogether. In the same way, your brain determines your sexual appetite. There is no difference between the physical experience of kissing the most beautiful person or the ugliest one, except in your attitude. Yet to many, there's a world of difference in the resultant pleasure experience. It's all a creation brought about by your brain's perceptions. So the experience of kissing the most beautiful woman in the world, I mean, wow. And you can't really compare that to kissing, you know, someone's bearded aunt. It's just your brain tells you that's not the same. But the actual physical experience of kissing should be the same. The mechanics are the same. The same nerves are involved, but it, your brain changes it for you. So when you have strong sexual chemistry with someone, you may experience a tremendous thrill from just sitting close to them or holding their hand. So there may not be much physical stimulation, but it's incredibly powerfully thrilling for you. To think of it this way, if you eat a small amount of something you love, like chocolate or pizza, you can keep eating and never run out of appetite. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've got no off switch for pizza and chocolate. I could eat endless pizza and chocolate. I never run out of appetite. But as soon as you stick a few Brussels sprouts in your mouth, you will feel physically full. Something universal about XY chromosomes and Brussels sprouts. They just don't go together. Clearly, when you feel full and you've eaten a handful of Brussels sprouts, this is not a consequence of your stomach being filled to capacity, but rather the fact that your physical desire is strongly rooted in mood, expectation, and attitude. And sex follows this rule as well. So cultivating positive sexual chemistry is what you need to improve your sex life. Sexual research has demonstrated that most people derive greater sexual pleasure from long-term positive relationships than casual encounters. And hopefully with a good relationship, you can also have more reliable sex because going out and having to work hard meeting people all the time can be exhausting. You're too tired to have sex afterwards and you're often unsuccessful. Now, why are relationships so valuable for sexuality? Because any experience undertaken with greater depth of emotion feels more meaningful. That's why in movies, they often build up a relationship between the two main characters for 90 minutes before they have sex, because by the time they have sex, it's so meaningful to the audience because you're invested in it. There's lots of emotion involved. When we value sex and combine this with passionate love, the act becomes a merging of body and soul, which raises the experience to a sensation far more existentially satisfying than just doing it because we feel an urge. Purely physical sex can be a lot of fun, but couples can elevate it to something much greater in the setting of a loving relationship. Now, good sex life depends on all the usual relationship advice, open communication, respect, consideration, consent, sensitivity, a loving relationship, and a desire to please your partner. It's all about your mental approach because there's not that much complexity to the act itself. Sex becomes much better if both partners feel connected mentally and physically. Sexuality is tactile, so stimulate physical chemistry by maintaining touch and affection. Hug your partner, tell them how much you love them, stroke their hair, hold hands, always kiss and hug each other, hello and goodbye every time you part. Sex also has the added bonus of putting husbands in a calm and pleasant mood for at least five minutes afterwards. By the way, ladies, this is the perfect time to bring up a subject that you might hesitate to discuss at another time. For instance, my wife has realized that she can take advantage of her moribund 
post-orgasmic husband by bringing up a conversation at a time when I am defenseless. Honey, we need to talk about which of us is going to attend the parent-teacher meeting at the school on Tuesday. I hope you've enjoyed the first part of Sex and Sexuality. In the next episode, I'll be answering interesting questions like, does size count? Why is friendship so important in the bedroom? And I'll be giving you eight easy strategies for a better sex life. Thanks for listening to another episode of Happy Healthy Ever After. Make sure you subscribe to the show in your podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And I'd love you to share this podcast with any friends, family, or colleagues who might be interested in the show. The content and opinions on these podcasts are my own and do not reflect the views of my employer or affiliates. Content is not intended as a substitute for professional health and relationship advice.